Good morning. It's really a privilege to be home and home in my home church with my family. And I get to share with you this morning, and I was told to make it lively so you don't fall asleep. <laughs> I'll try. Um, I just want to say that, you know, as a church, I thank you, but also I, I want you to know how special you are. I don't think you realize that there are not many churches like this. And let me give you a couple examples in how. You really take care of your ministry partners. I'm around a lot of missionaries, and they, some of them don't even have a church. And if they have a church, their name is posted up on a wall, and that's it. But you take care of us, and you take care of me. You loan me cars, and you have events for me, and you pray for me while I'm gone, and you for, support me financially. And I just want to say thank you and let you know how special and that's built into the DNA of this church. That is who we are. And I know God delights in that. Also, as a church, you value discipleship. You value mentoring. You value growth. That's also built into the DNA of this church. And I'll tell you what, that's really special. Because I did this, um, I talked about what I'm going to talk about today, discipleship, in Hong Kong. And people gasped. They'd never heard of it. They didn't know it, the church I was in. And I'm in a well-grounded church. And I thought, wow, we have something really special here. So I want to commend you. I want to say thank you. And I want you to know that um, this is a very special church. And of course, you're my family, so I love you. So, <laughs> so I can say that. As we were praying this morning, as we were in worship, I got one word for the church, and that was the word life. Jesus came to give us life, and not only life, but life more abundant. So there are some of you today who are dealing with circumstances, situation, health things, relational things. The Lord is saying, speak life. Speak life over those things. Don't speak those things. Speak life over those things. Speak Jesus over those things. We sang that song. It's a beautiful song. Hope. Life, victory. That is who we are. That is who we are. So if you think your problem is who you are, I just want to tell you, it's not who you are. Life is who you are. Because Jesus is right here, and he's living in you, and he's living through you. Okay, that was an extra. All right, so what are you passionate about? Some people are passionate about sports, right? Go I won't say. I'll get in trouble. Some people are passionate about cooking. My 90-year-old aunt yesterday was telling me about this cooking show, and she made this dish, and it was so good, and I thought, I want to be like that when I'm 90. Some people are passionate about art, about painting, about drawing. And then we have spiritual passions. One of my students, she just loves to tell people about Jesus. She's 65, and that means they listen. And she'll bring anybody into church. And it, there's a number of times she's took a, taken a taxi to church, and she brings the taxi driver into church with her. I don't know if they think they don't have an out or what, but she loves to tell people about Jesus. Some people love to preach. Some people love to do children's church. A couple months ago, I said, Lord, what's my passion? What's my passion? And I pondered it for a while, and I felt like he said, what do you love to do? 
I love to disciple. I love to see lives transformed. That is what I love to do. Oh, gee, I guess that's my passion. And I was thinking about it, you know, decades, yes, decades, decades ago, I, had, I got a verse that I knew was my life verse, and that's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. If you're taking notes, write it down. It's a good verse. But Paul's talking to Timothy, and he said, those things that I've committed to you teach other people, faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's discipleship, right? And so I thought, yeah, that is. Discipleship is my passion. You know, when I was in, when I was in Asia, well, I'm still in Asia, but the other life in Asia, um, I was working for a government orphanage, and I set up a rehab center. And in that rehab center, I was training teachers to teach kids with special needs. Well, then I found some teachers who were really, really like excited about it and could do it well, and I trained them to train the teachers. And then we got calls from all over the country, come and train us, come and train us. So I went, but I brought my trainers with me, and they trained the trainers in those other orphanages. And I thought, this is it. This is 2 Timothy 2.2 in the natural. But I want it in the spiritual. I don't just want it in the natural. And now, look where I am. In Hong Kong, Bible College. Over, actually, we have 400 students in five countries. We just got an inquiry for one in Japan. Yes! So, you see, God has said, that's who you are. This is what you do. This is my passion that I've given you and given me the opportunity. So, my passion is to see life transformation, not just in me, but in other people. I have a question for you. Who wants to grow? Who wants to grow? All right. What are some areas you want to grow in? I really encourage you to write this down because sometimes I think if we're not intentional, we don't do it. What do you want to grow in? You know, I want to grow in a greater ability of the Chinese language. I need to learn Cantonese. That's one of my goals this year. I know Mandarin, but I need to learn Cantonese. So I want to grow in Chinese. I also want to grow more in my knowledge and understanding and revelation of the, my identity in Christ. Because when I know who I am in him and what he's done for me, then I'm secure. Then I just can go for it. Those are things I want to grow in. So I'm intentional about listing what I want to grow in. Because... The same, if we don't grow, if we don't want to grow, what happens? We become stagnant. Do you know that a pond becomes stagnant when there's no fresh water coming in? We become stagnant when there's no fresh manna coming in. Do you know it can take, when, when a pond gets stagnant, what happens? It starts to smell, right? And then it starts to breed mosquitoes parasites, disease. Do you know that some ponds, some water can start to breed disease in just three days? I looked it up on the internet. <laughs> so, <laughs> Google can tell you anything. Anyway, three days. 
So what happens with our spiritual life when we're not getting fresh manna? Are we stagnant? Do you want to be stagnant? Here's how you can tell if you're stagnant. Guess where your thoughts are. Me, selfie, look at me. Look at all these bad things happening to me. That's one way. The other way is that our behavior starts to follow the world. That's how we can tell we're becoming stagnant. So I don't want to be stagnant. I want to grow. And if I want to grow, then there's things I need to do to actually purpose to grow. So today I'm going to talk about ways we can keep growing. And I hope it challenges you. And I hope it inspires you. When Ken asked me, when we talked about me teaching or preaching, and he said, now I want you to stick with my theme. And I'm like, okay, what's your theme? And he said, what makes a disciple? Do you know what? I had already prepared this sermon. Discipleship. So that means this one is something that God has for you. And I believe that everybody in here, God has something for you. Even if it's not something I say, but it's something that he tells you. So let's just stay open to what God has. So I said, Lord, I want it. what kind of title would we give this? And I would give this the title, Discipleship is Relationship. Discipleship is relationship. You know, Ken's been talking about what makes a disciple. He talked about following. Jesus said, follow me, obey. He talked about servant. He talked about our finances. He talked about countercultural. He talked about a warrior. And so what I'm going to talk about today is just a little bit different, but still the same, right? Same, same, different? So discipleship is relationship. Discipleship is doing life together. Isn't that awesome? That's who we are as the body of Christ. We're doing life together. And one of the things that has been gradual but brought me the most growth, steady growth over the years, is a discipling relationship. It started when I was in my early 20s, and it's continued to this day. Judy no longer goes to this church. She did go to this church, so you see it's part of the DNA. Judy's 19 years older than me, and I was young, and I was looking for someone to come alongside me. And I saw the way that she discipled people. And I said, I want that. I want that. So I asked her. Now, she didn't really know me. I said, would you disciple me? And she said, hmm, sure. We can try it for a few months. Well, I have to tell you, 30 years later, we're still as close as ever. I don't see her much. I talk to her maybe once every two or three months. But when I talk to her, she knows she can speak into my life, and I'll listen. Doing life together. My biggest desire this morning is that you get challenged and encouraged to look at your relationships, to look at your life, and I don't know if you have a discipling relationship. And if you don't, I pray that you hunger for it. I pray that you desire it. And if you have a discipling relationship, then I pray that you get some clarity or maybe some ideas on how to do it different or how to add to it creativity. So as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, 
In order to disciple or be a disciple, we need to know what is our purpose in life. What's our purpose in life? So I feel like there were two, there's two parts. The first part, I would go back to Romans 8.29. Sorry, no verses up there today. Going to have to use... So, anyway, Romans 8.29, it says, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God has a destiny for every single one of you. Not some of you, all of you. He has a destiny. And that destiny is that you're conformed, or you, you become identical to the likeness of his son. Isn't that exciting? Kent said, Jesus said, follow me. That's it. We follow him. We become conformed to him. That means when people look at you, who do they see? They see Jesus. And you're thinking, oh, my flesh. Are you kidding? No. That's part of that conforming process. It's okay. They will see Jesus. They will see the spirit of Jesus in you that lives in you. We know that our spirit is already like him, but we have the soul and the flesh. But that's why it's a journey. So how do we become conformed like him? We follow him, right? We follow him. We get fresh manna. We become his disciple. This is a journey. But aren't you glad that God gave us the body of Christ to walk this journey together? He didn't say, go up to northern Minnesota by yourself, live life, and learn how to be conformed to me. No. He said, go to Eden Prairie around people that, you know, you may have a hard time with, around a workplace that may be difficult, but it's okay. Because I will give you the body of Christ. I will give you my word. I'll give you everything you need to be conformed to the image of my son, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? What a good God we have. Some of you would rather be in northern Minnesota by yourself. I know. But (laughs) what a good God we have. The word says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He hasn't missed one thing. Even if you think it, he hasn't. Getting that fresh manna. You know, discipleship is life transformation. And I would not be the person I am today without Judy's discipleship influence in my life. And I can tell you that truthfully. When I was in my early 20s, as I said, I hungered for someone to come alongside me I had questions. I had things in the word I didn't understand. I had life situations I didn't understand. And so I looked for somebody who I saw discipling others. And first of all, we would spend hours together every week just studying the word. And we we went through this, I don't even remember what it was, but some program. Went through a program, you know, we were studying the word together. And then one day, Judy said to me, Let's go have some fun. So we went on a hike. We went shopping. And we were headed back to her house to do our study. And she looked at me and she said, hmm, you didn't do your study this week, did you? 
God. Now, my first reaction should have been, why did you tell her? But the first reaction actually was, Lord, she hears from you. I want to be under this woman. I want to learn from her. I hadn't done my study that week. You know what, though? It's okay. There was much grace, and it wasn't a problem. But you know, it was that greater desire to be conformed, to follow him. And that's what discipleship does. It brings us to that being conformed to the image of Jesus. And then we manifest him. And this brings me to my second part of what I believe is our purpose in life. It's not just to be conformed to his image, but it's also to be what Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says. Anybody know what it says? Go make disciples. Right? So Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples. This is what I'm going to focus on today, and this is what I believe is the second part of our purpose here. Ken said it. He said, follow me. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Just another way to say it. We are commissioned to teach and to disciple others. What are we discipling them in? To be conformed to the image of Jesus, right? That's what we're discipling people in, to follow him, to become his disciples. So first we're conformed, then we go and make disciples. Discipleship is relationship. It's this relationship between the discipler and the disciplee. It's not a program. You can use a program. We used a program, but it's not a program. It's not a formula. It is a relationship. Discipleship is a relationship. Do you know the word disciple is mentioned 269 times in the New Testament? Must make it kind of important, huh? 269 times. We are a disciple of Jesus, but he also gives us the body that we, ha- we also can disciple or be discipled through other people in the body of Christ. So go and make disciples, Matthew 28. All right? Teach them to observe. Some say obey. Didn't, isn't that what Ken said? A disciple is someone who obeys. Did you know that disciples make disciples? Isn't that good? Do you know even the Pharisees had disciples? It was considered something, and still is, important. So I believe the definition of discipleship is a relational experience through which one person empowers another by sharing their wisdom, their resources, their life with them. It's doing life together. Do you know we're wired for relationship? We are wired for investing in others. God didn't call us to just live life alone. We're wired for, we're actually wired for discipleship. Otherwise, how could Jesus command us to go and disciple? That's what we're wired for. So after four months of Bible study, Judy and I started doing more things together besides just Bible study. We were building our relationship. And she invited me into her house. She invited me to come have meals with her family. She invited me to hang out with them. She became vulnerable 
How many people are willing to invite someone into their house to see the good times and the tough times? I got a gasp in Hong Kong on that one. (laughs) But she allowed me to come in and see. And she allowed me to become like a daughter. A daughter. Disciples and sons are synonymous terms in the New Testament as Paul used them. Paul said to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, to Timothy, a true son in the faith. He said to Titus, Titus, a true son in our common faith. And in Philemon, he said Paul calls calls Onesimus his son. Paul had disciples. Paul had sons. What does Jesus call us? His sons, his daughters, his disciples. So why can he do that? Because you see in Matthew 28, 18, he said, he's given us all power. He gave his disciples all power. How did he do that? He taught them who they were. He taught them who he was. He taught them what kind of authority they had. He taught them to obey his commands. He taught them. And then he said, go. Go and do what? Teach. Baptize. What are you teaching them? Teaching them to deserve everything I've commanded you. Teaching them what the kingdom of God is like. So not just proclaim, but teach. Teach is mentioned twice. Teaching is training. Teaching is explaining. Jesus, does, Jesus doesn't want us to get people born again. Gasp. Uh, really seriously. He does not want us to get people born again. He wants us to get people discipled. He wants people discipled so they know, so they can disciple others, so they can be conformed to his image. His command was discipleship. So what does discipleship look like? Good question. What does it look like? Well, let me tell you what it looked like for me and what I believe the word says about it. I love the verse in Psalm 78.4. 78.4 says, telling to the generations, to, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works, what he has done, point them to Jesus is what it's saying. When we disciple, we just point people to Jesus. We don't have to, you know, we never have to give our opinion. Really, it's dangerous to give our opinion. But we can give them the word. We give them the word, then they get the truth. After we've pointed them to Jesus, then let's talk about the Holy Spirit. Let's tell them who the Holy Spirit is and the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. Get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. Get them speaking in tongues. Get them operating in the gifts because those are tools. Can't can't mention that. If we're a warrior, we need those tools. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit with them. And then let's talk about growth with them. Are you stagnant? Do you want to stay stagnant? 
If not, how can you grow? What do you need to do? Getting in the word, spending time with believers together in fellowship. Let's talk about growth. Again, when our thoughts are on ourselves and our behaviors are following the world, we had better take a step back and say, whoa, where am I going? And what's happening? Because otherwise you're going to start to smell. You don't want to do that. So we need to help them grow and then teach them how to help other people grow. This should be daily routine in our life. It really should be. It shouldn't be something for some people or something for the leaders. This should be daily routine for every single person in here because I believe it's part of our destiny. Discipleship is built on relationship. Discipleship is caring for people. It's caring for people. It wasn't long after Judy and I were discipling and spending time together that we had some new people come into the church. And guess what she did? She said, she kind of kicked me out of the nest, right? Go. There's these new people in the church. You can disciple them. Start a Bible study with them. Build relationship with them. So I, in fear and trembling, right? Go out, do it. If I had questions, I'd come back to her. We'd pray about it. But then, as I was discipling this person, guess what happened? More new people came into the church. So I said, go, go, right? Go. Go disciple them. And that's how we see the church grow. That's how we see solid, foundational growth in our churches. Because we become discipling. It's generations of discipleship. You know, we're all on different journeys, right? Nobody in here is on the same journey. So we, I want, I believe we all want someone to walk alongside with, aside us in the journey. Maybe it's someone who's a little bit farther along the road than we are, right? Maybe it's you've got someone here. I've got Judy who's discipling me. Then I'm discipling someone else. Then they're discipling someone else, and we're just, you know, walking the journey together. Walk on the journey together. We're not alone. That's what I believe God has for us as a body of Christ. So how do we do this? What does it look like? Well, one of the first things, if you're discipling somebody, I think you can do is encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage them in the Lord. Encourage them in their life. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know. And she'll say, Judy will say to me, you can do this. You have God, you can do this. You're prepared for this. You can do this. She's my biggest cheerleader. You can do this. Ask them questions. Don't preach. I am now, but you know what I mean. All right, don't preach. You should do it this way. You should do it this way. Ask them questions. Show them Bible verses. Let them get it for themselves because then they'll take ownership with it. Isn't that true? If we just tell people something, then it's, well, Cindy said, da 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 That means nothing. Well, the word says, Jesus says, you can argue if you want, but this is what Jesus says. 
So let them get it by themselves, but show them and ask questions. Jesus used questions all the time. What would you like me to do for you? Right? He always used questions. Questions are a huge tool. I teach my students that all the time. Ask questions. Because then you really get to know what someone's thinking. You really get to know what's going on. And you know, this is a tough one. Don't be afraid of conflict. I know it's a hard one. Do you think that over 30 years, Judy and I have not had conflict? Of course we've had conflict. Most of the time, if we disagreed on something, especially something in my life or something happening, it's usually because I was stubborn, right? It wasn't usually her. It was me. I was stubborn. I wanted my own way. Well, it's okay because our relationship was so strong she wasn't afraid to talk to me about it. The word says, speak the truth in love. She loves me. Speak the truth into my life. Might take me a few days, but then come back to, you know what? You're right. Help me through this. Or I know we disagree on this, but here's where I'm at right now. It's okay. Okay, I got to tell you, discipleship is very humbling. It's very humbling, but it's a good thing. That's a good thing. Don't be afraid to speak the truth into someone's life. Don't be afraid to hold them accountable. Do you want that? Sometimes I just want someone to, not in a bad way, you know, hold me accountable. I want to walk every day. Will you walk with me? Or I want to, you know, just even things in life. We just want someone to be with us, hold us accountable. And so discipleship is a great way to do that. Because remember, discipleship is all about relationship. And it's about following, following Jesus so we can be conformed to his image. One of my students, I just love this student, I tell you. She's amazing. Um, <laughs> when she first came to be a student, she said, I've never read the Bible, but I think I want to. Can I become a Bible student? Sure. And I want to bring my friends. Okay, let's try it. Well, she did. She brought two friends. And um, the first comment was, could, could we meet my friend's house because then she can cook food for us? No, that's not exactly how we operate, but it's okay. And you know what? I saw this lady of high standing, high prestige. I saw her life transform right before my eyes. Years later now, she's been a student for years, and years later, do you know what? She has such an incredible passion and love for the word, but she can't stay out of it. It has grabbed a hold of her heart. She's given herself completely, completely to the Lord. She's retired from her job. She's moving to Colorado so she can do third year as a student because she has such a passionate love for the word and for what Jesus wants her. She said, I'm, I'm not sure what Jesus is going to do with me now, but he's got something, and I'm going to find it. Do you know how fun it was to disciple her? Call, I don't know, you don't use WhatsApp so much here, but we use WhatsApp all the time over there. All these WhatsApps, you know. What does this mean? What does that mean? What about this situation? What can I do with this? And phone calls and phone calls and... 
She wasn't just a Bible student. She was allowing me to speak into her life because she wanted to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And you know what's even great, cool, is that she then said, well, you know, there's this younger lady that I'm meeting some more with, and I want to tell her more about Jesus, and I want to, and I'm like, go for it. She got the passion. She got the passion to disciple somebody else. So disciple, discipleship is a discipler, the teacher instructor, a disciple e, which is the learner, the pupil. Do you know that one of the definitions of disciple, a disciple, is an imitator of the teacher? Think of the word Christian. Are you Christians? I'm Christian. Think of the word Christian. That itself encompasses discipleship because you know what it means? Little Christ's. That's discipleship. That's who we are. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, follow me as I'm following the Lord. Here you go. The Lord, Paul, then the disciples under him. And obviously we're following Jesus, but he's also given us the body. And Paul says he received it first, and then he would share that revelation. You know, we have to live it, not just talk it. We have to live this life, not just talk about it. We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. So what are you reproducing? Is it pointing people to Jesus? Is it being conformed to the image of Jesus? Is it discipleship? I saw Judy live it. Do you know she always had people in her house? She, women who were in trouble would come and just live there for two or three weeks. She'd have people over. She'd disciple. She, hospitality, generosity. I saw her live it. And that made it so easy to follow. Some other things we did together. We worked together. After I'd gone for a few years, I don't know, time frame just kind of blows away now, but after I'd gone and I was eating meals with them, guess what? I started cooking one meal a week for their family. I'd be in her kitchen. She'd cook with me. I'd serve them. I'd serve the, the family. That was one thing we did together. We would work together. We would study together. As I said, ask questions. Show each, she'd show me verses. Come up, let, it, let them come up with their own conclusions. We'd minister together. I'm going to so-and-so to pray with so-and-so. Come with me. Share in ministry together. One time, I remember, she had a young lady that she was going to counsel. And... You know, she heard from the Lord, and she said, hey, Cindy, come with me. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. Well, she just let me do all the counseling. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, how'd that go? I didn't plan on that. But it was well-received, and we talked about it, and I grew in it. I grew in it. If you're just set down in a counseling situation without any modeling, without seeing it happen, without having an opportunity to people to give input, that makes it really tough. But when somebody takes you along, shares life with you, and says, Come on, let's go console this person. Let's go pray for them. You learn, you grow. That is discipleship. And it doesn't have to be difficult. We prayed together. We played together. Let's go shopping. Let's go hiking. 
we talked about life together. We did life together. Do you know eventually their family invited me in to live with them? I lived with them for nine years, three different cities, three different times in my life, three different homes, total of nine years I lived with them. And I grew so much more than just spiritually. I watched how they ran a household. I watched how they did relationships. And it was fantastic. And I believe, I mean, that was a great blessing to me because um, I learned so much. I believe it was huge preparation for going over on the mission field. So are you in a discipling relationship? Because if you're not, then I just say hunger for it. Desire it. Desire someone to come alongside you to help you be conformed to the image of Jesus. It's not always easy. Like I said, you have to be humble, but you make a choice to grow. It's a choice. We don't, growing just doesn't happen automatically. We make a choice to grow. And if you're a disciple of Christ, guess what? You are ready to disciple someone else because you're probably just a little bit farther along in the journey than they are. And you can give them and share with them. Why do we disciple? Well, we've talked a little bit about it. We want them to be conformed more to the image of Christ. We want to empower them to fulfill the call that God has on their lives. Isn't that exciting? You get to walk along someone and help them fulfill the call that God has on their lives. That should be very exciting. We want to help them with the word. Maybe teach the word. Help them in understanding the word. You know, when we walk alongside somebody, we make it easier for them in the hard times because someone's there. I'm sure you all have testimony of that. It's much easier when someone's there during the hard times. And then we can also point them back to Jesus. Everybody needs someone to help point them back to Jesus, especially in this world today. There's a verse in Proverbs 27, 17 that says, iron sharpens iron. So one man, the countenance of a friend. It doesn't say wood sharpens iron. Sorry, that's the easy way out. Wood makes iron dull. If we only have wood in our lives, we don't have anybody speaking into our lives, guess what? We become dull. We become status quo. We become useless. We become stagnant. So we need to have iron in our lives. And some of you right now are saying, oh, I've got it. That's okay. Don't always run away from it. God wants us to sharpen each other because that's part of that conforming process. I believe discipleship is not, it's not a luxury. I believe it's essential. It should be a part of every single person's life because that's a part of what God has made the body to be and it's part of our growth process and it's also a command. Go make disciples. You can't make a disciple if you're not a disciple. So do you have relationships that are sharpening you? Do you have, are you being discipled? Really look at this question. Some of us don't want to be sharpened. Then you really need to look at that question. 
Maybe not today. Okay, look at it tomorrow. All right, maybe tomorrow will look a little better. But we need to want to be discipled. We need to want to be sharpened. We need to want to go, grow, and be conformed to the image of Jesus so we can go make disciples. So this morning, I want to challenge three groups. If you've never been discipled, then I just pray for you. I pray there's such a hunger and thirst that rises up in you that you want to be discipled, that you want someone to come along life and, alongside you. I'm not talking about a spouse, all right? Because I believe that that's a good thing. You know, wives are good things. Spouses are good things, but I'm talking about someone else who can come alongside you and help you grow. And if you've never had that, I pray for you. I pray that you would desire it, that you would hunger it. You go home and you say, Lord, I want it. So how are you going to provide it? And ask him. He'll show you. This is his problem, you know. If you want it, he's got to show you. He will show you. He's faithful. He's committed to you. He's got your back. He's for you. So ask him. And then you could even ask him who. You can go to the leadership here, and they can help you with that. If you are being discipled, that's awesome. Congratulations if you've been discipled. Good job. This is awesome. But don't stop there. Now, who are you going to disciple? Don't just take the easy way out and say, oh, I've been discipled, now I'm done. No. Who are you going to disciple? There's many people, I'm sure, in this church that need to be discipled. You don't have to be totally mature. It's a journey. It's a journey. That being conformed doesn't happen like this. So it's the journey that God wants us on. So if, you're, if you are being discipled, then who are you going to disciple? That's a real question that I have for you today. Don't try to think it up in your mind. Just go ask God. He'll show you. He'll tell you. He's faithful. He's for you. And the third group is you're discipling someone. Good job. Way to go. Tell you, that's rare in the kingdom of God. It really is. So now, what else can you do? How else can you relate to that person? Or is there someone else to disciple? Take it farther. Ask God to help you go deeper. Don't just be satisfied with one or with what it is right now. Depth. Ask God for more. Discipleship, spending time with them, revealing God's goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his character to them, teaching them how to pray and how to receive revelation from the word teaching them the principles of the word that he's made real to you, then being available to answer questions, to walk life with them, to walk out what being conformed to his image means, and then showing them how to disciple others. We all need Paul's. That's my duty. We all need Paul's. But we all need Timothy's too. That's, a, that's my, my students, the people that I can disciple. We all need that. And do you know what else we need? We need Barnabases. That's that mutual encouragement relationship. We should all have all three of those relationships. No condemnation if you don't. Just 
Say, okay, God, what do you have? Let's do it. 2 Timothy 2.2. Investing in people who will multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply for generations to come. Be strong in grace. We've been given the grace to be disciples and to make disciples of the next generation. We have that grace. We have discipling grace in our lives. Let's grab a hold of it. To this day, as I said, Judy and I are still very close. She's like a mother to me and probably knows me better than anyone does. There was a time just in the past few months that I called her up and it was like midnight, my time. And I was really struggling with something, and I was just explaining it, and I kept saying, I just feel like I'm fighting this, I'm fighting this, and I'm just fighting this, and I can't get through it. And she says, that's your answer. What do you mean that's my answer? She goes, that's your answer. I'm fighting this? That's my answer? She goes, that's your answer. I wasn't getting it. She goes, it's warfare. And I went, oh, duh. You know, how long have I been a Christian? Duh. But you know what? The minute she said that, it broke. The whole thing just broke, and it was just gone. Boom, one word. She knows me. She's invested. Spoke, spoke it, and bam, it was gone. It was taken care of. She encouraged me to go overseas and fulfill the call that God had on my life. She's always been there through the good times and the tough times. And because of Jesus in her and that example, I now know how to disciple others, or at least to have the courage to do it, because someone's done it with me. So I leave you with this challenge today. Are you hungry? Do you want to grow? Do you want to go deeper? Do you want to go deeper? I do. I'm not going to stop. So if you want to go deeper, then either ask someone to disciple you. Ask the Lord first, okay? Talk to the Lord about it. Ask someone to disciple you, or you disciple someone else, or you disciple more people. But take this serious, because God takes it serious. Be conformed, and then go make disciples. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. I thank you that you've given us the body. You haven't left us alone. And Lord, that as we follow you, as we're conformed, as we become disciples, Father, you've given us a command and you've given us the, the grace we need to go and disciple others. So Lord, I pray that you've been stirring hearts. I pray that there's people in here who take, take this seriously and say, yes, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you are speaking to every single person in here in the way that you want to speak to them. So Lord, I pray over them. I thank you for multiplied disciples in this church and outside this church, Father, that we would be known as a church that cares for one another and does life together, that your name is glorified, that your name is lifted up on high, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Cindy. Let's give a round of applause for Cindy. Thank you so much.